like to think of Lenormand as headlights on your car. So you can see a little bit more of what's in front of you. You're not seeing for a hundred miles ahead, but you can see a little bit more like, oh, there's a log in the road. Maybe I should find a different way to go. Speak the charm of make charm of make charm. There will come a time on the planet Earth when science and technology will be long forgotten. When wizards will rule the world. This is the Arnamancy podcast featuring Reverend Eric. Join me on an exploration of the practice, philosophy, and history of the occult, esotericism, and the paranormal. Welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is Emily Rose. Emily teaches tarot readers and the mystically minded to read Lenormand like they're talking to a friend. She has been reading Lenormand since she was 12 years old and currently reads for clients and teaches divination throughout the Northwest, the Pacific Northwest, and online. Thank you for joining us, Emily. Thank you for having me. I guess probably the first thing I should ask you is... uh, What the heck is a Lenormand? (laughs) (laughs) So Lenormand is a set of 36 fortune telling cards. I think that's the fastest way to explain it. They're quite a bit different from tarot. I think a lot of people see Lenormand cards that maybe aren't familiar with tarot and they think, oh, are those tarot cards? And uh, they're very different. It's a totally different system from tarot. I guess a kind of short take on them would be you read them like a sentence so you combine cards Mm -hmm. and when you combine them they create almost like a sentence that you can just read and they also a lot of people will kind of describe Lenormand as kind of sassy and to the point Um, they really tell you like it is kind of vibe to them so I would say that's my very short description of them. I guess it, it's something that we haven't ever explored on the podcast on this podcast before. It's it's another system of uh, cartomancy, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about like the differences between it and tarot, since I think tarot has a bigger audience, probably, which probably gives you a great uh, niche into which you operate. But I was re- realizing as I was reading your intro, twelve years old. Yes, what, that's what when happened? I started. <laughs> so. Well, I'm lucky that my mom is a professional tarot reader and has been reading tarot since before I was born. So she took me when I was 12 years old and we went to a bookstore and she said, hey, why don't you pick out a tarot deck and I'll teach you to read tarot. And I just thought that was so cool. I thought, oh my gosh, I wanna learn to read tarot. That's amazing. So I picked out a deck and we, we bought it. And then we get home and open the cards and my mom looks at the cards and says I have no idea what you just bought I don't know what these are and she's like if you want to learn them you're kind of on your own I don't know what these are and the box just said fortune cards on them so it didn't even say they were Lenormand I didn't know that was what they were so all I had to go on this was in the early 2000s I had no internet because I lived in a cabin in the woods so All I had to go on was this little book that had very, very brief descriptions of each card, but there was something about them that I was really attracted to. I really wanted to learn to read them. So the way that I did it at that young of an age is I would just think of a question, pull cards, do my best from the descriptions of the book, and then see how it played out in my life, basically. 
And so I did that all the way through college, really. I learned a little bit more about the cards as I got older and, you know, kind of figured it out that they were Lenormand and that they they were a system of cardomancy. Then once I got through college, I, I became much more interested in it and started attending conferences with my mom. And that's really where I got connected with different Lenormand readers. And I really kind of refined my skills. And I met, uh, I call her the Lenormand goddess, Rana George. And she kind of took me under her wing and really helped catapult me into the kind of professional realm of, of reading the cards. But it really just started with me asking questions, pulling cards and seeing what happened. And also reading for friends and friends of friends and getting requests from those people. Can I get another reading? Uh, that was really right. And so that's kind of how I started and how I got here. That's kind of amazing. All right. First of all, like there's this idea of you like growing up with a mom who's a professional tarot reader. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah. So you were kind of immersed in this stuff from a young age, but then uh, that you still managed to kind of rebel. And you're like, no, mom, I'm not doing tarot. I'm doing this other thing. Look, it's got a bear. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but that's uh, that's kind of uh, amazing that that happened. Uh, I mean, I didn't even learn about Lenormand until just a few years ago. So it's just fascinating to me that there's been this other kind of tradition that's been going on. I I mean, I have no idea what hole I managed to stick my head in that I didn't hear about this sooner. But how big is the Lenormand community? It's growing pretty fast right now. So that's why I think when I was younger, it was hard to find a lot of English speaking Lenormand readers. It was more popular internationally, France, Germany. Also, Brazil has a big renaissance happening with Lenormand too. But those were the places it was it was really popping, I think, at that time and, and earlier, earlier on. And I think it it's gaining popularity more and more rapidly here. And I think also with tarot readers, they see those these cards more and more and they're like, what are these? How do I learn to read these? And so it's just gaining popularity slowly, I think, but gaining speed. Hmm. So let's talk about like, where did Lenormand come from? How old is it? It's a kind of wonky history as I think everything is in this world. So Lenormand, and I say Lenormand because I am not a French speaker. I took French in high school, but I'm not great. So I just say Lenormand. Some people call it Lenormand, but it originated, well, it's named after Mademoiselle Lenormand. That's who it's named after, who is arguably one of the most famous card readers of all time. Her kind of time in in reading was during the French Revolution, during kind of the Napoleon era. And she was reading for the uh, French aristocracy. She read for Josephine Bonaparte. And so she had her own kind of card system. She said that she learned how to read from gypsies is what she said. That was her claim at the time. So she has kind of an interesting history. She was jailed and things for her predictions and all kinds of things. And so it wasn't until after her death, which was kind of like mid-1800s around that time, that a deck actually came out called the Grand Joux Lenormand. And that deck was made by someone who claimed to be her student. And we actually don't know 
if that is actually what Mademoiselle Lenormand read, we don't know for sure. There's all kinds of accounts that point to maybe it it was similar, maybe it wasn't, but it's it's not clear. But the Grajou Lenormand is very different from the Lenormand cards that many of us have in front of us or when we go into a store to buy Lenormand, it, it's not the same. So the Grandjou Lenormand, if you look at the card, there's so much happening on the card. There's there's a letter at the top, there's plants and animals and astrological symbols. There's all kinds of things happening on it. I've taken a few workshops on it and it's, it's very different. It's super interesting and a fun rabbit hole to go down <laughs> if you ever wanted to. I kind of so. want to just talk about this for a second now. Uh, yeah, this is really fascinating to me because, you know, at the beginning, uh, you know, before we started recording, I was saying, like, I'd like to make sure that our readers know that there's a difference between, you know, Lenormand and tarot. Like they should, mm-hmm. under, you know, because I guess I guess what we should say is like occult tarot, like tarot turning into this weird occult thing uh, didn't happen until the early 1800s. So Lenormand or or Mademoiselle Lenormand's method was already something that existed. Like she had the cards, she had all this kind of stuff before before tarot started going weird. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing, because we don't know exactly what she did. We don't know if the, the Grand Joux Lenormand, if that is actually what she used or not. We're not mm-hmm. sure. It was just kind of named after her by someone who said they were a student. So there's a lot of maybe this was named after her, maybe it wasn't. And then there's even kind of more of a twist in this because what came out around the same time, I think maybe a couple years later, was the Petite Lenormand. And that's what we use today, basically, is the Petite Lenormand. Uh-huh. So the Grand Joux had 54 cards. The Petite Lenormand has 36. 54 cards. <laughs> oh, so it's sort of like maybe yes. a normal deck of cards and the Jokers. Then. Something like that, yeah. Okay. And then with the petite Lenormand there's 36 cards and that was made by a German company (laughs) that made these cards that we're using now and they named it after Mademoiselle Lenormand because she was famous basically so what these cards is that the deck that I have let me see here 36 petite Lenormand right yeah yeah yeah. that could yeah yeah it's it's Austrian but yeah it's called the Mademoiselle Lenormand (laughs) so they they kind of used it as marketing essentially but what it's based on is the game of hope so it's based on the game of hope which is um kind of predates lenormand and if you look at game of hope cards they look pretty similar to lenormand cards there's differences for sure but you could look up game of hope and you'll you'll see the similarities it's much more um game of hope and i'm not an expert in game of hope so i don't want to speak too much on it but to me, from hearing from professionals that read it, they say it's much more kind of conversational, but I'm not not an expert on Game of Hope. But Lenormand is kind of um, reminiscent of that. And I think why it's reminiscent is, is Lenormand tends to be more literal than other systems of, of card reading. So it's kind of based on that with Mademoiselle Lenormand's name attached to it, but we don't know how much of that was influenced by her, if at all, with what we have. So it could be that Mademoiselle Lenormand's name is solely marketing. Like this might be yep. completely unrelated to what she was doing. It totally could be. It could oh, be. Wow. The the Grand Joux could, could be more based on what she did. And based on the accounts, um, 
by the way, Mary Greer has a fabulous blog post all about Mademoiselle Lenormand that's really in depth. Um, so if you want to read like some of the accounts and what what she was like and the controversies around her, she has a really great post on that. But it, it's kind of interesting because it, it does seem like she used animals a lot. She talked a lot about animals and these like in these accounts at least report that she talked about them. So I could see how the Grand Jeu, you know, there's animals on every card, things like that. So I think there may be some similarities, but we don't know because a lot of the documentation is it is not really related to her system of reading. Hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> so you were saying that uh when the German company came out with the Petit Le Normand, it was based on the game of hope. Um, uh-huh. But there's also uh, there's also all these different card games in Europe that are based on sort of like smaller decks of cards, anyhow. Mm-hmm. And when I was oh, this is gonna this is gonna make me feel old <laughs> and you feel really young. But when I was over in Germany in the early '90s, uh, riding around on the train with some with my German foreign exchange buddies. They taught me a German card game called uh, Scat. Oh, okay. And I mm-hmm. think it used a 36-card deck. It was sort of like huh. uh, ace, queen, jack, and then like 10 through 6 or something like that, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. That's it was so long ago. I don't really – I definitely do not remember the rules um, or if I was any good at it. But um, but it was just sort of, that was one of the things that I thought about when I saw this, because one of the things that's really interesting about, uh, I don't know if it's all Norman cards, but the one that I've got, it has like playing card stuff on it. So like mm-hmm. number eight, which is possibly the coffin. Is that the coffin? Yeah, yeah that's the coffin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, the, it's the eight of uh, diamonds. Wait, yep. no, it's the nine of diamonds, but it's oh, yeah, number eight in the deck. <laughs> eight in the deck. And it it's interesting because uh, most Lenormand decks are going to have the playing card inserts, especially the more traditional decks. They will have the playing card inserts on them. And that's because they are based on um, forms of cardomancy that use playing cards. And um, that's kind of, I think, what you're talking about, that vein of of cardomancy of it being games and and things mm-hmm. like that it, it does have some roots in that as well yeah 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 well that's definitely something that uh that lenormand and tarot share in common because uh, you know the roots of tarot are with weird card games from like the 15th century um so then have you ever just made your own lenormand deck out of like a random pack of cards there are people that do that for sure. Um, I see that pretty frequently, especially with students that are really into the playing card inserts because that's a whole rabbit hole you can go down <laughs> with are, card reading. What do you mean playing card inserts? Cards, oh, oh, you mean um, the, in the yeah, yeah, like in in the so on a Lenormand card, you'll have the, an image, a single image, usually like a mountain or a coffin or a child, and then they're on some decks there will also be a playing card on it yeah right okay, and so we right. call it we kind of say playing card insert or yeah that totally makes sense i will make sure i'll i'll stick a picture of a lenormand card with a playing card insert in the show notes so people can kind of see what we're talking about um yeah so i guess i mean i've definitely seen that before uh, i mean i know that there are there are multiple cartomancy uh methods that use just normal playing card decks and i've seen before people who have like a deck of um 
I guess calling them ordinary cards is right, but like pinochle cards or whatever poker cards mm-hmm. where they've, they've written like little notes and designs and pictures on all the different cards. Um, yep. Yeah. That's kind of cool. So I guess my next question is like when you are learning the Lenormand cards, uh, do you like internalize their order and their associated, um, playing cards well enough that you could just pick up a deck of playing cards and throw away all the ones that aren't relevant and turn it into a Lenormand deck or do those do the inserts not really matter a whole lot so I think it depends on your perspective on them um so for me I learned on a deck I'll, I'll show you that I have them here I learned on a deck that doesn't have the playing card inserts oh. this is a deck I I learned on so they're just in si- they're just the, an image that's that's the, not the back of the card we're looking at the front of the card this is the back yeah this is the front yeah they're just a single this is the exact deck that i learned on it's a reprint of it but um i I would like to describe that to the listeners like it's totally it is a very simple card right like that's so that's the coffin Mm -hmm. there's no numbers there's no nothing it's just sort of like bright neon it's just colors kind of almost clip and they're yeah and they're all the same um there's a, like the fox. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So they are, this is what I learned on, right? So this mm-hmm. is kind of my base. And now I read with the Ron and George Lenormand mostly, which has the playing, the insert on it. So you Whoa. see like the, the playing card yeah, on there. Those are gorgeous. Yeah. She did an amazing job with this deck. Um, Kelly French is the artist. She did a great job. Um, and she, she has some bonus cards that are fun in there too. You can throw in if you want. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um but yeah so i did not learn with the playing card inserts that's that's not how i learned mm-hmm. so i didn't know i didn't understand what that was until i was way further along in my daily practices with it and reading and so some people though they get really interested in kind of the theory of cards and so they go down that path because the playing card association does inform the image on the card based on older systems that oh. were playing card. So for me, the way I like to read Lenormand is each, so each card kind of has an essence to me. Um, so for instance, the anchor card, the essence of the anchor to me is stability you put down an anchor right you're gonna stay there for a little bit so it's security it's stability i see it as something that's kind of a sure thing at least in the in the near future right so i kind of get the essence of that card and with a so for some people um the playing card insert is going to um not really change that essence for them for the card um but for a different card like the snake there's um i forget which face card it is that's on the snake but there's a woman face card on the snake so in some lenormand circles they'll say the snake can mean a manipulative woman because the snake means like betrayal lying something's not as it seems basically so they'll say oh this is a manipulative woman but for me, there's a woman card. So I'm going to say, well, I want the snake to modify the woman for me to say it's a manipulative woman, um, if you see what I mean. So it yeah. can influence how you read it. It definitely can. And I think it's kind of depends on which teacher you're going with and kind of how you want to frame learning the cards. Because I think there there's a lot of use in learning the playing card inserts. It's, it's something that... 
I think would be fun to learn and give me a different perspective on the cards. And I've, I've kind of dabbled with it a little bit, but I think that um, for me, it's the way I read is more about the card essence and from my kind of experience. And also it, it does line up with kind of the using air quotes here, the traditional meanings of, of the cards. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of how I read, but it's totally, you know, how you learn and personal preference, I think. Oh, I totally understand that. You know, I mean, tarot, uh, once the once the occultists and weirdos got a hold of it, just started, you know, layering on more and more meaning. And um, yeah, so like even right now, I'm I'm still learning. I'm still learning a new set of associations with each tarot card right now. So it's kind of it never ends. It never ends. It doesn't, does it? <laughs> but I guess that's probably why we keep coming back to it. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, so, okay, so so it's kind of fascinating to hear that there is such, I mean, I, I, I guess I sound like I'm super ignorant. I mean, I, I do feel really ignorant about Lenormand. You know, I've, I've taken, I took a seminar from you at Northwest Tarot Symposium. I've read this book. I've given probably like 10 readings, you know, but they're like newbie readings where I had the little white book. I was like, okay, the fox, that means. <laughs> um, but yeah. it's just fascinating to hear that the, that this, community or tradition or whatever has like so much going on and like so many layers and different approaches yeah. uh, and I also like the fact that your deck the one you learned on doesn't even have numbers on it no they they don't even have numbers on it and so the numbers are are not that important when you're starting to learn the numbers in in the corner so each Lenormand card except for the deck I learned on, <laughs> basically has a number in the corner um, of them one through 36. And I always get asked, oh, is that important for me to know right now? And I say, well, you know, I, I give uh, people who take, I have a mini course and then also I have a, a bigger class I teach uh, usually once or twice a year uh, called the Norman Foundations. I give them like a cheat sheet just to have quick keywords to associate with each card. And I say, well, the numbers are helpful for knowing where that's going to be on the cheat sheet, <laughs> basically. But where it comes in handy is later in bigger spreads because we use houses um, for like a, a grand tableau reading, which is kind of a whole rabbit hole. We could definitely go down. Oh, I was going to ask about that for sure. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it becomes important for the houses in a grand tableau, which is, you know, basically the place that you lay the card. It, it nuances the meaning depending on where the card falls within the 36 slots in a grand tableau reading. So that's where it becomes important for the numbers. Okay. I am going to ask about the grand tableau, but I also kind of no, actually, no. Let's get into the Grand Tableau. So okay. this is an impressive spread. It uses every yeah. single card in the deck. It's, it does. Uh, it means big table because you need a really big table to lay out all your cards. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's uh, it's so sort of a fascinating thing to look at. Uh, can you, okay, so, and and it's it's sort of, um, I mean, I guess in, in layout, it's plain. It's just a six by six grid. You have all 36 cards laid out in a big grid, right? Yeah, so it, there's different ways to read a grand tableau. For me, I like to lay them out in rows of eight. So I do um, four rows of eight, and then I do four on the bottom oh. um, is how I do it. There's different ways to read it, though. Um, there's lots of different ways to do it, or a few. But basically, that's that's the way I like to read because I, I like to use the last four cards as my fa I, uh, fate line. Um, and so that kind of is like, 
extra important information. Some people read it as this is kind of the preview to your next tableau. This would be the first four cards of your next tableau. Um, so I like to lay it out that way because I like playing with that line. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially that's kind of the thing. It's kind of the sexy thing that everybody wants to be able to do with Lenormand. So when when people see a grand tableau, uh, some people think, I want to do that. And so they they start getting into Lenormand for that and then realizing, wow, that's complicated <laughs> when, they go to, when they go to read it. But there's systems and ways to kind of organize those 36 cards so you're not reading all 36 at once. Um, so with Lenormand, this is kind of a difference from from tarot or some people kind of do this with tarot, but you charge cards in Lenormand. Um, So certain cards in Lenormand, you can charge or put extra intention to, to represent specific areas of your life. So for example, um, so if you, if you know, if you're a man, you're doing a reading, you can associate the man card with you. Um, So when the man card shows up, we know exactly who it's talking about. It's also called a significator card. So, you charge certain cards to represent different areas of your life. Um, the fox is something you could charge as work. Some people charge the anchor as work, just depends on kind of how you learned. Um, you could charge, you know, the ring to be like a marriage or relationship. So the house could be like your family. You can charge these different areas. And then depending on where they fall in the 36 card grand tableau reading, um, that's going to tell you information just on how high up they are in the reading versus how low. Um, And then you read the vertical line and the horizontal line for each one to kind of give you past, present, future. Oh, so, okay. That's kind of interesting. That means basically for the, the various parts of the reading, you don't have to look at all 36 cards. You're just looking at no. You're just looking you, at one row, one, one column. So like twelve or eleven cards, kind of. Yeah, you could look at different things, and that's kind of I teach a grand tableau class, and what I teach is you can decide what you're going to read, and that you don't have to read every single possible bell and whistle that you can read in a grand tableau. There's so many advanced techniques. There's so many layers. There's also the houses underneath that you can read. And so what I tell people at first is here's the absolute essentials you need for a grand tableau. And it's like four things. If you do those, then you've done a grand tableau and then you just add as you get more comfortable and as things become more um, fluid for you with reading basically. So now let's talk about what are these houses? What what do you when you're taught you you mentioned the the houses a few times in the grand tableau like uh yeah. are they defined by the four the four fate cards? So the houses are defined by the number on on the card. So like so the first position of your grand tableau um is going to be the writer position always. So the very first card is going to be the writer position. So the writer is I kind of see it as things that are arriving, things that are on the way. Um, And it just kind of colors the meaning of the card. So it's not quite combos, which we haven't talked too much about yet, but it's more, it just kind of colors the meaning of the card that's on it. It's like an environment that that card lives in. Um, Okay. Yeah. And so each of the 36, yeah, each of the 36 cards, when you lay them out, they, they have, um, they have their positions, basically just one through 36. So it's kind of like, so the writer is card number one and like the coffin yeah. coffin is number eight as we learned a little while ago 
Um, and it's kind of it's kind of invisible, right? Because the mm -hmm. houses, like you're you're usually not laying down another set of cards underneath. Right. Um, but mm. yeah, it's and there there are cool cloths people sell on Etsy and things that are amazing that you can lay your cards on, so you don't have to memorize the positions of everything. Oh, that's fascinating. I I I that sounds complicated. <laughs> I it, mean, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, and then how? How do you remember? How did you learn that then? If you you had this deck of cards with no numbers on it, how did you learn the grand tableau? I did not learn that until way later. Wow. I I was doing simpler spreads. I um until I I think I got to college and then I started like I started doing more research and figuring out oh a grand tableau existed and I started playing with it and then I met people at conferences that really showed me more and helped me and then Rana really helped me polish that up so. I, I tell people like, don't worry about the grand tableau until you can fluidly read five card, nine card spreads and you feel really comfortable with it. Um, hmm. be and then and then doing attempting the grand tableau. But some people are ambitious. They want to do the grand tableau. I say go for it. But I think it's easier to learn the five and, and nine card and smaller spreads and get really cozy with those first. When you do a, a smaller spread, are they similar to tarot spreads where you kind of have like a, you know, this spread where card one is your... Uh, life and card two is your job and card three is your future and blah 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 or how do you how do you manage so, those sorts of spreads yeah so not necessarily like I do see people coming up with like really creative Lenormand spreads that can kind of do those types of things but what I say with Lenormand is it's really about the question you ask almost all of it's about your question and I think that's one of um, the things I work the most with with tarot readers who take my class is um, they'll pull a card and and they'll say, what does this mean? Or they'll pull, you know, five cards and say, what did this mean? And that, my first question is going to be, what was your question? Because that's going to matter. Um, that's it's such a huge part of it. So um, the way that it works is you want to formulate a question because the cards are going to respond directly to the question you ask. So the way you word your question, the way you kind of set your intention for it is, is very crucial for Lenormand. Um, so if you have a question about, okay, what's going to happen in the next six months at my job, right? What, just give me a reading for the next six months at work. There's, you know, that's a lot, there's a lot going on with that, right? Because work's kind of a big place. And so you might want to, you might want a bigger spread, right? You might want a nine card spread to get more information, or maybe you do a work-related grand tableau or something. But um, if you ask a really specific question, like, okay, I'm working on a project at work, show me the trajectory of this project over the next three months, you might be able to do like a five card spread. Um, so you really need to be specific with your question when it comes to Lenormand. And so it's, I, I kind of take it from that approach rather than the spread, although there are kind of some specialized spreads you can do, but it's with Lenormand, it's more about just reading the sentence hmm. um, and, and phrasing the question. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, because one of the, one of the reading readings that I do for people a lot is just sort of a general reading where I'm like, you don't got to ask a question. Mm -hmm. the, the tarot will just tell you what you're asking about. <laughs> yes. And you could do that with a grand tableau. You don't have to ask a question for a grand tableau. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, I also wanted to ask you in the grand tableau about the idea of charging cards. Is that sort mm -hmm. of a thing where, is there like a ritual or energy work or something that goes around along with that? Or are you just sort of holding the deck and being like, okay, the fox is going to be job related and, 
you know, the writer is going to be about your car troubles or something like that. Like, how do you, mm-hmm. how do you uh, do that? So it's a little different for every reader, I think, but, um, and you can actually charge cards for any Lenormand spread. So any Lenormand spread at all, you, it's most helpful in the grand tableau for sure, but you can charge cards for three card, five card, nine card spread as well. And I do almost every time I charge cards to be that. Um, so the way that I do it is I kind of just hold. So usually now I, I read for a lot of clients. So I'll just talk to the client first. Like, what are you hoping to learn about in your grand tableau? And so they'll say work, my relationship and home or something. So then what I do is I just kind of hold the cards and I, um, I, the first thing I, I say in my ritual is like, please only provide information that's going to be helpful to this querent because sometimes <laughs> with Lenormand, you get things that are not helpful for them to know unless you filter that information out. Rana, Rana George explained it to me like, you want to filter it like when you're filtering on Amazon and you only want blue shoes, <laughs> you've got to <laughs> you've got to filter the kind of information you're getting. Uh-huh. She's really fabulous, so she has great analogies, um, but that's kind of how I, I think about the beginning part is we only want helpful information with Lenormand because, you know, you could get things that are not going to be helpful. Exactly. So I start with that. And then what I do is I just, I just kind of hold the cards and I just put the intention into them that, okay, the man card is going to re- represent my, my client. And I, I like to have first names. I just need first names for me. Some people don't need them. I like to have them. And then, um, I'll say the fox represents work um, and then whatever else they want charged basically. And I try not to charge very many cards because once a card is charged, it loses its original meaning uh, once you charge it. So, so you don't want to go charge crazy because you need the cards, Mm -hmm. right? You, you want them to talk to you. So you don't want to charge 10 cards, right? You want to charge. I like to charge less than four five or four maybe, but that's not okay. a rule. It's just what I like to do. But um, yeah, so with charging, I kind of, it's pretty important for a grand tableau because that's kind of going to be your um, stability points in your reading, right? Because that's what you're you're looking for where your significator card is or your querent card, right? Yeah. Whoever's asking the question, that's pretty important where, you know, some cards you don't even necessarily have to read in a grand tableau. So, and that's what makes it so easy to kind of filter it. But even in a five card spread, you know, um, the bear card, for example, can have a lot of meanings in Lenormand. The bear card can be power, finances. It could be a mother-in-law type figure. I mean, there's a lot of things it can mean. So it's kind of bananas. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I love that the bear could be your mother-in-law. (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it can be, it can be, it could be a figure like that. So I, I don't, I, I kind of just put extra intention. If I'm in a finance reading, you know, the, that's where the context is important. So, if, so if we're in a finance reading, I know that most likely the bear is going to be longer term finances for the, for the querent oh. um, when it comes up. So the, luckily the context kind of filters that, but sometimes if we're talking about, so if I'm in a family inheritance question, I'm going to want to charge the bear card because I don't want to be confused on who's the bear, right? Because it could be, if there is a mother uh, or it could be like a mother figure or something, um, I don't want to be confused on what that is. I guess it could also be your really hairy uncle. (laughs) (laughs) I I get it. Sometimes it's when it pops up in certain readings, because after a while with reading Lenormand, it kind of becomes a prompt for your 
whatever you want to call it, intuitive psychic abilities, whatever. Sometimes it just hits me like, oh, this person's got a big personality. Like when it pops up next to somebody and every time I'll, I'll say this person, man, when they enter a room, you know about it. And they're like, oh yes, <laughs> that's that person. So I like to charge some of the trickier cards sometimes mm -hmm. if if it can be ambiguous depending on the context. But, but if you refine your question enough, that's why the question is so important because then you know exactly what the cards are going to mean and you don't have to charge as many cards. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, I guess I was sort of also wondering like if you are doing your grand tableau and uh, two of the charged cards end up in the same row or the same column, uh, mm -hmm. does do they interfere with each other? Like, how does that how does that work? Yeah, usually it means that they're linked in some way. So. Um, I did a reading the other day for someone who her and her husband are in business together. And so the, you know, her husband's card came up, up right next to the business card. So that's not really surprising, okay. really tied to the business together. So usually it does mean that they're influencing each other, at least for me, um, that they're, they're linked together in some way, or if they're in the same row, um, you also kind of with the grand tableau, you're, you can read that row differently depending on the context you're in. So if you have like, you know, the man card at the end and the and the work card at the beginning, you could read that row for work and then you could also read that row for the man. And some of the cards might mean slightly different things because of the context. So that's another thing too. Okay, that's super interesting because you were also talking about how um, when you sort of like put the Lenormand cards together, they they form sort of a sentence, right? So, yep. mm -hmm. so in that sense, you'd have... Uh, you would sort of have almost the exact same sentence just sort of read in two different contexts. Yeah, and sometimes, sometimes you know, um, when you're reading it in that way, um, the sentence will change a little bit because you're reading it a different way. So maybe, you know, for the bear, you know, if the bear showed up in that row, it, you know, it definitely could be finances for the business, right? It'd be like mm -hmm. business finances. But then when it shows up next to the husband, it could be oh this is a power thing with the with the husband there's a power dynamic going on or something so it just depends on which cards you've charged and also kind of where they fall because if they're right next to each other then i'm i'm gonna kind of be like okay they're they're really related here but if they're they're further apart and they just share a little bit that's that's a little different so it also kind of just depends on how close or far away they are from each other too huh i'm so fascinated by this method of reading i really want to get a grand tableau reading now <laughs> <laughs> it's fun yeah they're it, really fun it sounds yeah fun. uh but they do take up a lot of real estate like they take up a yeah. lot of space on your table so I, i'm going to ask you, you a, a technical question now uh in, yeah. in the times of covid you've been probably mm -hmm. doing remote readings for your clients i have yes how do you get the entire grand tableau in a spot where they can see it while you're giving them the reading not well, um, uh -huh. but I do. I have, um, I can show you. Uh, okay. There we go. You see, I have this stand. Oh I have God. like a little, yeah. I have like a little stand and uh -huh. then I have a camera on top. But then I, I've heard from another fabulous reader that uh, there's something, I could get a document camera and that, that lets me zoom in and zoom out further. So I might get one of those, um, but what I, it can tilt. So I just tilt it for the top. And then when I'm talking about the bottom, I tilt it to, towards the bottom. But uh -huh. a, lot of, a lot of my clients are not into cardamancy. Most of them aren't. They're corporate people and they come to me because the readings are right. <laughs> <And> oh. <laughs> it tells them about things that are coming up. And um, 
I read for like a lot of um, people that own businesses or work at a big corporation and stuff. So they don't care a lot of times like what what it looks like. But then I do read for people who do care. And then I'll usually take a photo of it after. And then I also tilt the camera so they can see. I'm kind of fascinated by that particular thing. Like with when you're a tarot <laughs> reader, almost all of your tarot readings are about like people's love lives. Is business sort of one of the things that Lenormand is good at? Like what does Lenormand sort of really shine for? It can really do both of those things well. My particular preference is business type readings. That's just, I just jive well with with people that have those concerns more. So that just tends to be more of my clientele just from, just because that's kind of my personality. I definitely do a lot of love related readings, so don't get me wrong. And so I kind of like to explain Lenormand like this. So if you kind of picture your life as a car and you're driving at night, I like to think of Lenormand as headlights on your car. So you can see a little bit more of what's in front of you. You're not seeing for a hundred miles ahead, right? You're not, <laughs> but you can see a little bit more like, oh, there's a log in the road. Maybe I should find a different way to go. Um, and then I like, I also use tarot in my readings too. I use tarot quite a bit. And um, I like to see tarot or oracle cards as kind of a friend in the car that can kind of, so once you've seen like, oh, there's gonna be a big shakeup at work or, oh, my partner is gonna just continue to be more distant than they already are, then we can kind of turn to tarot for advice and say, okay, what do you wanna do about that? You know, and so that's that's my personal style. I think you can use other, you can use tarot as the headlights, you can use Lenormand as a friend in the car, but for me, I think they, Lenormand kind of shines at giving you that bird's eye perspective and seeing things on the current path you're on. The, so you have the ability to kind of change that current path, but it right. kind of shows you like you're driving, we're showing you what you're about to hit, but if you change your mind, you know, that's okay too. That's kind of how I see Lenormand and Tarot working together oh, in my readings at least. That's interesting. So you use Lenormand and Tarot sometimes in the same reading, like kind of in conjunction. Oh yes, definitely. Oh, that's Almost every time. Really? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Huh. I kind of want to see how that works. I guess... You might have a future client in me. I might have to come. To that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fun, yeah. And and I ask different questions usually for mm -hmm. each one, so they're usually not in the same spread exactly. But I do um, sometimes, occasionally, I, I have specialized things. I do like decision spreads. Mm -hmm. You know, if someone's deciding between two options, I like to pull a tarot card for each at the bottom to kind of get the overall vibe of what each one will feel like to the person, and then Lenormand for like, tell me what it's going to be. You know. So do you get more um, students coming to you uh, who are tarot readers looking to learn something new or uh, people who have never touched a card outside of a game of Go Fish before? Like what, what sort of people do you tend to get? Mostly tarot readers for my classes. Um, people, so that's, and that's kind of what I've geared a lot of my my teaching style around is because with tarot, you're gonna, most people have kind of already a style or a way of reading based on tarot. So I kind of gear things towards, okay, here's the perks and pitfalls of being a tarot reader in Lenormand, right? There's there's really great things and there's things to watch out for, just like with learning any system. Um, so I mostly get tarot readers, I would say, but then I do get people that uh, maybe we're into astrology or, you know, something else, maybe not cardamancy. And then they just saw Lenormand and they're attracted to it. And they don't know why I call it the Lenormand bug. Like 
once you've kind of been bitten by it, you are kind of into it. Um, and even if you put it down for a while, something will always kind of pull you back to <laughs> learning it is what I've noticed with people. So um, the people that are attracted to Lenormand, it'll grab them some way, somehow. So I do have so, a, a number of people in my classes that were not into anything. And then they just were gifted a deck randomly or they saw it at a store and just had to have it. Huh. All right. That's cool. When you talk about like the mystically minded, when you teach the mystically mm -hmm. minded how to read Lenormand, is there in the petite Lenormand, is there a kind of uh, esoteric overlay, like an aspect to it that is more mystical? I mean, I guess we're, t we're already talking about fortune telling, which is a very mystical yeah, thing to do. But it, is there, it is. Is there something more abstract and symbolic and, you know, mystical and, you know, the you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure you know. That. Yeah. So I guess the short answer is not really. <laughs> I think that's the short answer. Okay. Um, I think you could find things, but I think, I, I think the reason why I, I say mystically minded is because my classes just tend to do well with people who are already kind of in this world. You know, they're, they've already, they've had some kind of practice or they've been interested in this for some reason. And also because it is fortune telling. So I think, you know, with, with some people, they're going to have, some people are not going to be into that, you know, and that's mm -hmm. okay. That Lenormand just might not be for them or they might want to read it in a different way. But I put that on there because um, I do get a lot of Oracle card people or astrology people or people that have, have been in some form or another. But I kind of, I kind of like to have students that are already acquainted with the idea of, you know, there are things that we don't fully understand all the way or we can't fully you know in terms of predicting the future there's a lot of how is this working type of thing which is good we kind of get into that in my classes and things like that but I think it can be a real stumbling block to even beginning to learn the cards so that's kind of why I put tarot readers or mystically minded people that have kind of been in a space where they've been acquainted with the esoteric world mystical world in some way so they've had mm -hmm. some kind of initiation already i would say that's kind of why i put that there i think that makes sense i mean i guess uh one of the pitfalls or i guess the traps of the the paths that i've been on and you always want to look for like deeper symbolism and more symbolism but you we forget that already we're looking at like just we're already delving into weird stuff you know, just the idea of fortune telling yeah. and stuff is already kind of mystical in its own sense. Yeah. And I mean, the images on the cards, they, I mean, they're kind of practical when you think about it. If you're, if you're a person that's existing in 18th, 19th century, you know, letter is news information that's coming to you, right? Where we might have a cell phone or a computer or something, right. you know, now. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think the symbols on the card kind of come, you know, from practical things a lot of times um on the on the actual cards and i think really kind of the way i i talk about it in in the classes i i have people that um or i try to teach people to get the cards in their bones so to practice kind of every day with the cards so that pretty soon you don't have to think about what each card means right you just kind of understand the essence of the card in your daily life so that when it pops up it's kind of in your subconscious so that you're not using the academic part of your brain you're not using the part that's combining when you're actually reading for a client or you're going to do a, a reading for yourself that has more importance to it you kind of have that in your bone so it, it I think it kind of is you know 
it is intu intuitive in a way and I, I don't like to use the word intuition with beginning Lenormand people um, because it's more about kind of learning the system of the cards first and then using your intuition once you've kind of merged it with your subconscious, once you've done the work of kind of learning the cards and understanding the essence of them. But that is kind of a interesting process and a little mystical in a way when you start to read because you start to just know what the cards mean instantly and you get these kind of hits to you. So I think you kind of sync this, the images on the cards with your subconscious in a way. That's kind of the practice of, of learning. And I think really any form of cardomancy is a little bit of that. Oh, I think that absolutely makes total sense. Um, you know, I mean, the concept of the, the images on the card sort of like living in your subconscious or, or being integrated mm -hmm. into it. You know, it's the, the language of images. It's, it's, uh, it's pervasive in Western esotericism, you know, I mean. Yes. Which, uh, which could be a whole nother hour-long conversation <laughs> but we won't do that right now uh what i would like to do though i want to hear about uh your classes like what kind of classes are you offering for lenormand stuff yeah so i do offer a free mini course and this is a course that kind of just gets your hands dirty really fast it's really about getting you on a daily practice so you can just start reading and start doing that kind of work of of melding the cards with your subconscious right away um you just kind of pull cards and see how it goes about your day and that's how i learned really to read the cards and it it really helps so that i kind of just teach that um how to do a three card spread um in the second lesson of it and then i do offer a bigger class called lenormand foundations and it does teach you to read the cards from two cards all the way up through the grand tableau so it it really gets you through that. Um, and I'll be offering that in probably May, I think. Okay, great. I, when will... I, I don't have a hard date on it yet, but I think around May is when I'll, I'll be offering that. Okay. Well, hopefully uh, I'll have links to both of those in the show notes so people can check them out. That sounds really cool. And how do people uh, find you online? Like where your website and stuff? So they can find me at emilyrosedivination.com. And I have uh, quite a bit of resources for readers. I have every single Lenormand card and combinations on there. There's so much stuff <laughs> people can <laughs> dig into on there. There's also um, just kind of different articles, like how is Lenormand different from tarot? And can I use my intuition with Lenormand? Just things like that. So they'll see different blog posts about that too. Okay, that sounds awesome. Oh, we didn't even talk about combinations at all. We still have a couple minutes. What's your... What's your elevator pitch on card? <laughs> uh, yeah, let's, we could do it real quick. Okay, okay. We could do it real quick. Yeah, so card combinations, um, combining cards is kind of the the meat and potatoes, if you will, of Lenormand. It's really how you read any spread. Is You're going to start with reading the card combos. So just to give you an example of a card combo. So let's say... And also the order matters a lot <laughs> with, with where your cards fall oh, um, how, with Lenormand. Uh, like in what sense? Do, is it sort of like a noun and adjective sort of thing? Sort of like the blue horse? or, or the... Yeah, that's kind of, that's a good way to kind of describe it. So, um, so let's say we draw um, coffin and then we draw sun. So the coffin means like an ending of some kind some type of like loss of some kind right and then we have the sun that's modifying it 
So since the sun comes um, is to the right of the coffin, it it's kind of in the modifying position. So then you get, so um, the coffin is kind of the main thing we're talking about. The sun is happening to the coffin. It's <laughs> another way to think of it. So the sun is happiness. So that could be a happy ending. Oh, just like our podcast is ending, heading yeah, towards. Happy ending. <laughs> yeah. And then, but if you reverse it though, then you get end of happiness. <laughs> you reverse it. <laughs> so that's why I say the order matters. And that's kind of what trips a lot of people up when they're starting to learn Lenormand. Okay. Um, but in the, the mini course I have, I kind of obviate that whole problem, but because I teach them a specialized three card spread. So they know exactly like, okay, this card is modifying this and I write it all out for them. So it's easy to kind of learn how that works. Um, but I say if you can read card combinations and you feel pretty comfy with that, then you're really far along in being able to read bigger spreads because that those are really the building blocks for the sentences. Um, because if you say like, you know, you might get something like uh, if you if you keep building on that, uh, you know, happy ending, you might get the um, the lilies after it or something. And you'd be like, oh, this is a peaceful, happy ending. <laughs> right. You, you kind of can oh. build on it a little bit. And so and, and there's way more to it. It gets more nuanced, obviously, the more cards you add to it. But that's kind of the building blocks. If you can read card combos, you're almost halfway there, honestly, to reading a lot of Lenormand. Okay, that's kind of a, that's a fascinating way to look at the cards. Um, when you have uh, eight in a row then on the in the grand tableau, uh, mm -hmm. do you have sort of like one subject and everything else is kind of modifying that? Or does it yes, switch it up a little bit? It switches up a little bit. So um, I kind of explained it that way to just kind of simplify it just to get the gist of it. Okay. But really over time when you are reading you're you're gonna start seeing that yes you have one main thing you're talking about in basically any lenormand spread so a lot of times it's depending on how you learn a five card spread for example it's either going to be you know first middle card whatever that's kind of the the main thing and you just kind of decide based on your reading style like which which one it'll be for me it's usually the middle card is the main thing so then i'm like okay so you know, we ask a question about work and then the middle card is um, the cross. Then I'm like, ooh, work is, you're you're doing a lot at work. It's really burdensome, you know? So I'm like, we're talking about responsibilities at work. We're talking about, that's kind of the main thing we're talking about. But then like, as you kind of look back, you kind of get a story depending on your question of, of either how that came to be or what's influencing all those responsibilities. So sometimes there's nouns in it too, because you get a person, right? You might get, oh, this person's putting this work on you, you know, or you're picking up the slack for this, for, for Johnny over there, whatever. You'll, you'll kind of get other people or things, but they're kind of influencing that main thing um, that you're talking about. And then as you even become more proficient with reading it, it's you just kind of start knowing <laughs> what it's talking about. And then, yeah, but that's kind of the gist, I would say. Okay, cool. That sounds super interesting. And and that takes us to, I guess, the end of our amazing episode. This was really cool. Uh, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me about all this stuff and explain all of these cool things. I took a lot of notes and uh, you definitely gave me more things to look up in the future. Or, I mean, you know, maybe even the immediate future. Uh, <laughs> so thanks. So emilyrosedivination.com. Uh, and also you're on Instagram. 
I am just at Emily Rose Divination. Okay, cool. That makes it super easy. Yeah. <laughs> Try to keep it consistent here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. This was excellent. I, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> okay. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Arnamancy podcast. You can find me online at arnamancy.com where you can schedule a tarot reading or peruse the Arnamancy blog. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. If you like this podcast, support it for just $1 a month through Patreon at patreon.com slash arnamancy.